everyone, welcome to an exciting edition of ARG Presents. I'm the impeccable Amigo Aaron, joined today by a man most foul, a man who's both unpheasant and awkward, a man some say is stork raving mad, but heck, he might quack you up. I give you the Brent. Ah! Yeah, I want to pile as many in there as I could. How are you doing today, the Brent? No more, no more puns. Oh, I'm just getting started, my friend. <laughs> just getting started. So, welcome to another episode of NRG. This week we spun the wheel, we made the deal, but before we get to that, the Brent would like to give you a quick contest update. The Brent, take it away. Yes, we have three new names added to the prize wheel this week. Uh, for those not in the know, and I don't know how you could be at this point, uh, we are giving away three spectacular prizes. Uh, we will be giving away a ARG lanyard, highly sought after because they are no longer available. We will be giving away a new wave quarter slot keychain. Uh, very stylish, very awesome. You could beat a man with it. And the grand prize, we are giving away a Dragon's Lair Mini boxed shipped anywhere in the world that will that i guess that will allow us i'm sure there's somewhere out there we can't the send forbidden zone to. that's right uh and we have three new names added to the the prize wheel we have jason warns mitsuyama and Roushi all added to the prize wheel aaron that is i believe <clears throat> he's counting take off his shoes here we go come on dead air brent eight names there you go that means we only have room for four more. Four! Just like the horsemen. And to get your chance at on the prize wheel this week, all you have to do is come up with an ARG slogan or a little saying. Something like, ARG presents. Those guys try really hard. Let's not lie to the you people, could... Brent. <laughs> okay, those guys... One uh, guy tries they... hard, the other's the Brent. How about that one? Those guys really show up every week. Yeah, uh, yeah we got that going for us. <laughs> you can post your slogan in YouTube, on Twitter. You can email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. And we will pick one, maybe two, of our favorites and add those to the prize wheel. Uh, the only thing you can't do is you can't say it in Twitch chat. Because we might miss it or not remember it's part of the selection. So, YouTube comments on this video for the next week. Uh, Twitter, you can always tweet it at us at uh, uh, ARG Presents. And you can send it to us through mail at ARGPresents at mail.com. And we will pick two of our fa one or two of our favorites next week and... Bam! On the prize. So this wheel. is a this portion of the beauty contest is a judged por portion. That's right. I think what we're gonna do, Aaron, I've just made a game time decision. Oh Lord, no! Uh, we're gonna let you pick one, and then I'm gonna pick. All one. right. So, so we will add two people to the wheel. I like that. I like that. Outstanding. Outstanding. Very good, Brent. Very good contest in full folks. So we only have a few more weeks before we pull the trigger on, on the spinning the main wheel. Is this correct? I think it's gonna be this week. Next week, and then it's going to be wheel time. Okay, so now, I think that's the plan. Okay, there you go. We'll see though. So we'll see. the time uh, the, you're at the tenth hour here, uh, so please get get those uh, get those slogans in now. Now, on to the matter at hand, Brent. We spun the wheel, 
We made the incredible deal, and this week we're going to be playing bird games. Games right. that feature birds. This is a brilliant, genius topic submitted by, uh, if I may say, a, a, a drop-dead handsome man. And this will be covering any game that featured, heavily featured birds, Brent. Now, before we get right. before we get into this uh, 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 game by game here, let's have a, a bit of a chat uh, for uh, with game birds. What do you think? Uh, what do you think it is about birds and games that keep these guys coming back? And do you have any favorite bird games or games that heavily feature birds? I, I'm playing my favorite bird game this. This week. is your all time uh, favorite. Oh yeah, easily. I mean, not even, not even, not even a contest. Uh, you know, I think it's odd to have a bird as a uh, a, a main protagonist in a in a story. Not only because it's you know a bird, but birds are often considered fragile, um, which I, in my opinion, doesn't make them great protagonists. But when you kind of ignore that their their fragility, yeah, uh, you can really do some fun things with them. Well, you've got so birds. Are, there's so many different types. You've got the tiny little tweety type birds, and you've got massive birds like ostriches, for example. Uh, you also got birds that can do damage. You know, like hawks and eagles. So you get there's a they they run the gambit, uh, sort of like kind of like dogs in a lot of ways. Now, listen, when it comes to bird games, the all-time number one bird game, as far as I'm concerned, with a bullet, is your good old-fashioned uh, grade A joust. That game was awesome. It took birds and put them in a, in a unique position with the, the guys uh, jousting off their backs. That's probably one of the earliest games to feature birds. and the, so It's probably the earliest to feature birds so heavily. That was a great game. Another game, so, another game that comes to mind, Phoenix. Everyone loves Phoenix, right? Yeah. Uh, another great game. And the birds in that were annoying. That made them more fun. They made they, you, you could shoot their wings off. They could keep flying. Crap like that. Uh, when it comes to the old school, do you have a preference on the on the on the old old bird games? Well, you got duck hunt. Yeah, but that's a good one. Good choice. Of course, uh, you know a lot of the games we're picking, the birds aren't the heroes; they're the enemies. <laughs> well, joust the bird's sort of a hero. Well, they're this hero and an enemy. You're right. Because think about it, you, you, the bad guys are all right. Well, I guess they're riding around on uh, vultures. That's right. You know. One thing birds have going for them in video games is that they're not bats. There are no good... <laughs> That's one thing's for sure. There are no good games that, that feature that will feature a bat. Uh, what about Batman for the nest? That doesn't count. That's a he, that's oh, okay. a man dressed as a bat. Even the, oh. even the bats annoy him sometimes. Not in the cave there. You know, uh, occasionally birds are stuck in games just to like. Especially in games that are like adventure games. In fact, the game we played this week on Amigos, Legends, featured a point where a bird picks you up and just carries you across a chasm. So you see a lot of that uh, sort of thing. It is something to note. Uh, that is probably <clears throat> a bird's main role in video games. Outside of, of uh, being a pest and knocking you off ledges, which birds often do in games, yeah. uh, a lot of birds will are featured carrying the uh, the main hero to or from. You get that a lot in storybooks too. I mean Lord of the Rings, perfect example. Yeah. You, you know, we've gotten some we've got some excellent points here raised by the chat when it comes to bird games. Paul Kitching chimes in Chucky Egg, which we've played that on this show. That's a great game. I believe we played that on the BBC Micro and it's a lot of fun, but we got released on everything. Another one from our good buddy Picard 
for the Amiga Agony, where you play the basically the Psygnosis uh, Owl in, in the shooting capacity. That's, that was a lot of fun. I want to also mention Pingo, a great bird game. Penguins often get a pretty good deal in these uh, games because they're so cute. Yep. You know. <clears throat> also, you've got Alfred Chicken. Yeah, I know one of your favorites, eh? So that that is that is a good one. Uh, ah, I beat you to it, Pixel. <laughs> there you go. I saw an interesting video on YouTube where a guy pointed out that if you look at the background of a lot of games, at the amount of detail that are applied to very very slight background birds is unbelievable. So okay, I'm gonna go on the assumption that programmers really enjoy to to put together birds like you know artistically. That must be something that they like to do because they're often you'll see them featured and you can barely see them, but when you zoom in, the detail work is incredible. So that's I always thought that was kind of neat. You know, another aspect of games I want to touch on when it comes to birds, birds. There's a there's a bad side to birds in a lot of games, and that's the fact that the birds will fly over and poop on you. What do you have to say about that? We've seen that more than a few times. Yeah, yeah, I, I, not a super <clears throat> common role for birds in games, but it does happen <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Never good. Those are the villains. <laughs> that's a no good. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Crazy Climber. That's one of the. Uh, that's one of the enemies yep. in that. Is when. Uh, and by the way, that's that was such a neat game. You don't hear me people talk about it because the controls are, are real odd with the two joysticks. They are very odd. But I really liked that game back in the day, and uh, the Intellivision had a really good knockoff called uh, Beauty and the Beast. That's what it was called. That was a. It was a sort of a ripoff of. of but I actually think they improved on it in some ways. I think no one talks about uh, uh, Crazy Climber 2, which is really... It reminds me sort of of the uh, Elevator Action Returns. In fact, that like everything about it is sort of superior to the original, but it didn't get any, yeah. it didn't get any love, Brent. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, now, real quick, this is kind of an offshoot. How do you feel about... Uh, bird-themed superheroes. Mean, Hawk and Dove come to mind immediately. Or Falcon. Then you've got Hawk Girl. Uh, I'm sure there are others. Falcon. Don't forget Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. The Blue Falcon. If you're a Scooby Doo fan or or a yeah. Hanna Barbera fan, with one, I hated I hate his partner. Um, let's let's let me think here. So we've got, of course, the whole Hawk family. You had tons of those. Um, I'm trying to think of any other uh, uh, bird-related. Hey, what was the? Remember the chick that played the wit, the like the sorceress and He-Man? I believe she was dressed like a bird too. She was dressed as a bird. Yeah. That is correct. So there you go, Hawkman from Buck Rogers. Yeah, tungsten. Exactly. By the way, if you see Hawkman on the screen in a Buck Rogers episode, you're in deep trouble because those are the ones that are really bad. <laughs> Except for the Hawkman had a ship. He could zoom down over top of you, and it would sink claws into you because his ship looked like a bird. So pretty cool. Hey, here's another one that's showing right now, if you're watching the video, that I'd forgotten about that features the old birds, the old Star Fox. Falco yeah, is in this. You know? And look, <laughs> there's a picture of him. So, yeah, a lot of good a lot of good bird action in games, uh, Brent. And we were, it was our job. It was our solemn oath. Uh, Mitsuyama, <laughs> Hudson Hawk, get out of here. Anyway, it was our solemn oath to try to pick a couple games in the bird category, Brent. Uh, and there were so many to choose from. I will lead the dance this week, Brent, if I may. And the, Probably a wise The movie. game that I'm... <laughs> wait a minute. What are you saying? I'm curtain jerking here? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the game I chose, and I will say I've never played this, but I, I didn't know. And I'd heard of it somewhere, and, and I figured it out. This is a game that was uh, featured on a long, long uh, ago episode of Pixel Gaiden, uh, and it's called, bam, 
Calibri brand. Calibri. Yes. Now, uh, before we go any further, Calibri, apparently, the word Calibri, which is not a common word here. Oh, oh, I know. It means hummingbird in German. It, is that, is that, it's, uh, it's the root word, according to the wiki, it's the root word, uh, or, or the word for hummingbird in several European languages. So there you go. So I'm sure if our, our European viewers probably knew that going in, but us dumb Americans, we speak one language and we don't speak it very well, and that's American. So, that's all that said. Calibri, um, Brent, released on the much maligned Sega 32X. Uh, yes. I want to talk about 32X before I get into Calibri. Uh, uh -huh. For those that, just briefly, for those that, uh, we've covered the 32X a while back, so I'm not going to give a full, straight up go after on the 32X, but if you've got a Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, you would plug this gimmick into the cartridge slot of the Genesis slash Mega Drive, and then you would plug the cartridge into that. Now, if you happen to have a C uh, Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive that also had the Sega CD attachment, you would have, you would have the Genesis slash Mega Drive plugged into the CD attachment with it with, and then have the 32x plugged in on top. It looked like you a, know, it was horrible looking, Brent. The the the, the uh, Genesis it was really the Lego of consoles. You just keep building it. One thing I like about Sega in that era. They didn't care, man. We're coming out with the craziest crap you ever saw. It looks dumb. We don't care. And they took a console that looks usually looks really cool and made it look like an abomination upon man. Yes. So, and I will, I've got a 32X. I've got a, a couple Genesis machines. And I can tell you that the 32X uh, plugging the cartridge, like, effectively what you've done is when you... Uh, oh, by the way, it's got its own power supply. You gotta, So, you've got a, the 32X has to have its own power. Plus, you've basically got two sets of cartridge pins. So, if, when you plug in a cartridge, you're plugging into something that plugged into something else. There's a lot of connections there. And the number one problem with the 32X is connection issues. And if you have one that's slightly dirty, the pins are slightly dirty, you're boned. Don't think for a minute that thing won't pop off while you're right in the middle of a game. It's, a, it's the only <clears throat> console that needs its own circuit breaker. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. It's own, its own power strip, too. Uh, so, with all that said, though, for those few, those lucky few that picked up a 32X, I guess they're lucky, then this was a game you could have picked up on a 32X Calibri. Uh, this came out in uh, the year of our Lord, 1995, a 3-meg cartridge. This had a European and U.S. release. Now, get this, Brent. <clears throat> this is real weirdness here. This was done by an outfit, developed by an outfit called Novotrade Software, Okay. So I'm looking, this is just nonchalantly mentioned, but I had to bring it up because it's such a weird thing. So Novatrade became Appaloosa Interactive, okay? They had headquarters in, in California, right? But this thing, Novatrade came, was their earlier name, and a lot of their stuff was released under that name. And they, they apparently, and this is just getting nonchalantly mentioned, I couldn't find anything to back this up. Uh, Nova Trade was founded in 1983, okay, by the Hungarian government as a way to get f hold of foreign currency, which was in low supply in the Eastern Bloc. That's <laughs> what do you mean you can't just sure. jerk that off? This was some sort of Hungarian money scam. <laughs> That's what this was, and they developed this game. <laughs> I couldn't believe that, man. So <laughs> weird. Uh, they're also well-known because they were the ones that put together the Echo the Dolphin series. If you remember Echo, he was a big deal in the Genesis slash Mega Dive. 
uh, back in the day. And you could see very few, very many similarities between the two. Uh, anyway, this came out, uh, again, in, in Europe and America in November of 95, uh, produced by a fellow named Ed Anuzada and John Pedigo. I'm assuming these guys are Hungarian. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I looked. I tried to find out what these people had done, and mostly they did in-house stuff for Nova Trade slash uh, uh, Appaloosa. Uh, so, what do you got here with Calibra? This is a this is a real uh, 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 abstract game, but you have to. This is one of those games, Brent, where you've got to sort of read the manual to figure out what's going on, because this game thrusts you forward at the beginning in a manner that very few games do. Uh, you start this game uh, basically flying a hummingbird around a big uh, a, a pastoral setting, a meadow, if you will. Right? And you can fly here forever. Okay? There's, it, just never, it never ends. <laughs> and all you're doing is flying around, and there are other hummingbirds, you know, uh, flying around. Jerk hummingbirds, They're jerks. They don't want to share their nectar with you. Uh, and so... Uh, you're wondering what's going on. Well, if you don't read the backstory, which I happen to have dug up the manual for this bad boy. Now, the chapter that has the story in this, it's entitled, and you may not know this because you may have thought this was Thor, but apparently the Calibre is Earth's mightiest hero. That's what it says here at the header. That's how powerful this hummingbird is. So I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I'll, I'll summarize as best I can. So long ago, there was a crystal from outer space okay, that embedded itself in Earth and started creating life. In case you were wondering how all the religions are wrong, this crystal, okay? <laughs> Soon, another crystal crashed to Earth. It was a dark version, and it tried to destroy what the first crystal created, and it started to take all the strength away from the from the, the good white crystal. And it also started to make it, mutating everything and making it evil, okay? Oh, yeah. So... Uh, the only so as this crystal, so when you drink the nectar at the beginning of this game, a, a cutscene occurs. All right, you find one flower you can eat the nectar from, and a cutscene occurs. And when this cutscene occurs, you see a crystal sort of shove up through Earth, and another one come down. And the the the, the good crystal is finally dying. It's given up the crystal ghost. But before it goes, it imbues your calibre with mysterious alien powers. Okay. <clears throat> and it uh, gives your uh, hummingbird the ability to shoot. Shoot stuff out of its beak and be tough. This is the world's toughest, most superstar hummingbird, okay? Yeah, that's because a normal hummingbird, you can literally shoot it with a spray of water and kill that's it. That's true. So. so, your job as the number one hummingbird is to cleanse the woods and uh, surrounding area of all these mutated evil things and, and run several missions and ultimately... Take on and destroy this dark, dark crystal. No affiliation with the uh, with the film. Uh, that's your backstory. But you don't know that. Well, I mean, it doesn't say there's an affiliation. Would you affiliate? Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's your backstory. Now, uh, uh, this game is basically, in, in a lot of ways, this game is very similar to Echo, in that in the way it's set up, that the, the, there are different chapters, the twenty chapters. Of different types of missions you're you're gonna have to perform to get to the last level, which would be the twentieth. Uh, these there's a I will say there's a uh, there's a, a pretty decent swath of different types of missions. 
But before we get to that, let's talk about the, the way the game comes up. What did you think about when you first played this one, Brent? I want to get your thoughts early on this. What were your thoughts when you first brought this up? Did you know about what to do to get off the first level or just have to go look it up? Okay, no. I 100% purposely, because I'd never heard of this game. Okay. Uh, so I purposely went in 100% blind, right? And when I first fired it up, because I didn't know who developed it, nothing. When I first fired it up, I said, these guys are trying to be Echo. Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> and you had no okay? idea that they had made I had Echo. no idea. Yeah. I said, these guys are trying to take an animal and, and make it be something it's not. They're trying to Echo Dolphin. So I, I was flying around the first level, and I noticed that all the other hummingbirds were jerks. Yeah. So I thought, okay, so I'm the chosen one. I need to figure out where's my sword in the stone because I knew it was going to be that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Because it, it, it had echo vibes. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm flying around, I fly around for a little bit, and uh, it does not take me long to figure out that you have to drink the nectar from the first flower. Right. Uh, after I figured out there was a drink nectar button, <laughs> or at least one that stands in for it, <laughs> uh, I, I was off and running. Right. So you figured it out on your end. How long did it take you? Oh. Three or four yeah. minutes. I, I'd been this had been stooged off to me, so I knew that you had to go drink an nectar. It's still an, it's a weird way to start a game. That's for no, sure. Now that <clears throat> that aspect of the game where it's just like you're a hummingbird, go. Yeah, I I, I like games like that. I like yeah. games that allow you to figure it out on your own. Because there's, I mean, there is a way to die very very early on. You can get eaten by, by the, the frog. frog. Yeah, or uh, in fact, but, at any point you can be eaten by the frog. Yep. But for the most part, it, this is a, allows you to figure out the controls. It lets you, uh, you know, because flying around in this game is weird. We'll get into that yeah, later. Yeah. But I, I like that it doesn't hold your hand. It just says, you know, go. Right. I, 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 I appreciate it. It's that. different. It's definitely, it sets it apart. So, uh, and, and I will say the cutscene, it's very brief. It's not even a cutscene. It happens in-game where the dark crystal comes down and the, uh, the good crystal fades away. And then Calibra just sort of shoots off into the background. It's a very cool effect. And let's talk about the graphics of this thing. Because right out of the gate, listen, the 32X promised a lot of stuff. And if, if you've played the 32X, it, I would say it it, ne it never fully delivered on the promise. But this this game visually may be as close as it got. Uh, because this is a gorgeous game. They they yes. spared no expense with the with the different the the different planar movement the background the backgrounds are pretty super colorful. This sort of reminds me of, of Pitya on the Amiga in terms of it's a bright colorful. You, they took advantage of, of the uh, scene and the story they created by putting together these beautiful scenes uh, and with beautiful scrolling backgrounds and the backgrounds aren't just multiplayer. They move in a very odd way, Brent, to sort of simulate a. Uh, pseudo 3D environment in the background, don't they? The way the, the hills Absolutely. and stuff rise. I don't think I've seen a game quite that does it quite like this one does. It's real, real pretty. The flowers are there. Even the enemies are kind of neat looking. Uh, the well, it, it, it plays that... It uses the uh, uh, shades of color. Uh, anything that is is dark and, and you know, kind of those brown, black, gray tones, yeah. you know those are either in danger or the enemy. Right. Because uh, almost all, there are a few colorful enemies, uh, especially later on, but most of the enemies are these darker colors that that plays off that light, dark crystal thing. Right. Um, I want to also give a huge shout-out to this game's manual. And I don't do this very often, Brent, 
But the, this game, you really need to use the manual because it gives you the scoop of what's going on. But on top of that, this manual actually... this. These guys really tried to go out of their way. It's got the usual stuff about how to control the game and what the buttons do and the menus and whatnot. But it's got the the backstory is nice. It goes over all the stuff you would normally expect. It's also got an area where it's got a log where you can write down passwords that you get. This is a password game for each level. It's also got hints and tips on how to play the game more effectively. Then it goes into a, it's got a chapter on. Like on facts about hummingbirds, amazing facts about hummingbirds, which I think that's pretty cool. It's got a strat, a little strategy part in the back. It's got a place where it's got it gives you suggested videos and books about hummingbirds. And my personal favorite item, it shows you how to make a hummingbird feeder. This is all yes. in the manual. I don't think I've ever seen a manual that tried this hard to get over hummingbirds, or I mean, or get over any subject. So there's actual educational value in the manual for this, and I appreciated that. Plus the wacky backstories in there, uh, and it, t- it goes over the various you know, aspects of the game. So the manual for this, I-, I had to say, was top shelf. I was happy I could find it. <clears throat> so let's talk about the game itself. Once you get over the fact that you are a hummingbird and you're trying to take down the dark crystal, you are thrust into the first mission. The missions for this are there. I would say there's some variance. It's not like there's a ton. You get uh, missions where your only job is to clear out an area. There are missions where you have to solve a, like a little puzzle. You know, there's some, like like the Calibri will have to shoot stuff to move rocks or or break through walls, stuff like that. Nothing, not, nothing like huge, but it's still it's it's there's a little puzzly element to it. Uh, the uh, there are twenty L, L, uh, twenty different levels that take place over a series of different backgrounds. You've got the opening background, which is a meadow. Then you move to sort of a, uh, a, a the woods near a river or almost a swampy area. Then there are two different types of caves. There's caves that are like large, cavernous caves. And then there are these real tight, almost like natural tunnel caves where you have to really maneuver a lot. There's a great, beautiful level that takes place in front of a waterfall that's r- r- lovely. Then there's a, uh, a, a, a more like a sinister forest with ruins in it, like looks like Aztec ruins. And then lastly, you'll do the last set of missions in a temple. Uh, and the good thing about this thing having uh, uh, passwords is I got to at least have a have a go at these levels if for uh, you know a certain amount of time. Once the uh, first level starts, you'll notice that the crystal will be spewing a bunch of uh, of little bubbles, and what these are are power ups. You'll see these all throughout the game. <clears throat> There's a bunch of these things. They do a bunch of different stuff too. They do everything from giving you extra energy. They they could get, and of course they could give you weapons. There's a thing that will slow down time, which is interesting. Uh, that's a weird effect. Uh, there's orbs that give you shields. There's these big rings that give you if you have if you run into them you get like one hit of armor for your uh, for your calibre, which is interesting. Something else you may notice when you're looking at this is there's no HUD of any sort, nothing to tell you a score or to tell you how many uh, lives you have left or how many hit points you've got. Believe it or not, this is all built into the game. When you come across something that gives you an extra uh, an extra hit point, uh, you'll see a bunch of little calib- calibres sc- 
for like a split second spin around yours. And those little calibres tell you your hit points. So if you've got yeah. four that spin around you, you've got four hit points. If you've got three, you've got three hit points and so on. Uh, this is how you tell how many hit points you've got, uh, which is a that's a novel uh, way to do it. Um, <clears throat> there are a few levels in that's this. A, that's a way to get rid of the HUD. Correct. So there is no HUD in this There game. is none. There's a few levels that are that have a forced scroll like a traditional shooter. This really caught me off guard when I stumbled on the first one. Uh, this and it becomes basically a, a a shooter as opposed to just a free roaming uh, affair. And there's a forced roll, and I thought these were okay too. No, there was no problem with those. Um, <clears throat> again, 20 levels for the most part, and this is an odd thing and an interesting choice. I want to get your opinion on here in a minute. Uh, in Calibri, once you get past that opening, you are you have access to every weapon in the game. Uh, early, so and they and the power ups in this game are plentiful; they're everywhere, and so you will easily get any weapon you want. There's uh there's weapons where you shoot real fast, uh, like BBs. There's weapons where you shoot like rings, sort of like Aquaman when he's summoning something on the old TV show. Then there's this, the, my personal favorite, the the ones that sound like a uh, like a, a ricochet going off. They're like long lines. They're like heat-seeking lines. There's also explosive bullet shots. This stuff's all available to you on that very first level and will be available throughout the whole game. And once you pick them up, there, there, there's no limit to them. There's no, uh, there's no like uh, uh, time limit on each weapon. I mean, once you pick it up, you've got that weapon until you either die or you pick up another weapon. So, uh, I guess I want to get your thoughts, Brent, on the overall gameplay experience of this. And also, what did you think about this weapon system? Let's go over the <clears throat> weapon system thing first. Yeah. I hate it. Okay. Uh, if they would have allowed you to pick up and then cycle through the weapons... Uh, it would have been fine. Yeah. But there are so many weapon power-ups in the game, you will find yourself accidentally picking up weapons Absolutely. You don't I've got that on my negative list. That is, and Especially when you get the one you want, and then suddenly you get the one you don't want. It's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you are, you're, you're battling the system the entire yes. time. Uh, the controls on this game are very odd. Uh, I, I guess to try to simulate... Uh, hummingbird movement because for those who have never seen or even maybe even heard of a hummingbird before uh, they are, are small birds I mean they're the size of your fist and, and that would be a huge one uh, and they they have full range of motion they can move up down left right forwards and backwards and they're a bird obviously <laughs> uh, they it, it's very um, surreal to watch one fly around, we used to have a ton of hummingbirds when I was a kid uh, at home, and we had hummingbird feeders. Uh, it's odd to see a bird fly backwards, and hummingbirds do it without effort. Uh, they're very fragile creatures. They're very small, and they're they're incredibly light. Uh, so it, literally anything will take a hummingbird out of the sky. And, and the in the game... Frogs can eat the hummingbirds. That's a real thing. That does happen. Um, big frogs, obviously, but it does happen. Uh, in the game, they kind of simulate this by jerking the screen kind of back and forth anytime you stop. So yeah. if you are flying forward and you stop, your character kind of shuffles, and it's every time. Uh, it 
is incredibly annoying. At least I found it incredibly annoying. Also, when you turn around, uh, because this is a free roam, for the most part, most of the stages are like a free roam event. So when you turn around and go back the other way, you can fly backwards. If you're shooting, yeah. uh, you actually just... You hold a button, you can fly. Yeah, fly backwards. Uh, but when you aren't shooting, you'll turn around. The turning around action is is kind of weird. It, it shifts, and then you still do the little shimmy when you turn around. So it's a lot of motion on your character that you're not part of. It's just uh, baked into the game. Uh, one of the neater things is there's a button that will dash you forward. That's another thing about hummingbirds in real life. Uh, they are incredibly fast. Uh, they will fly up, drink a little bit of nectar, and, and be gone in a matter of seconds. Uh, I never found myself using the fly real fast button really uh, a lot because the stages, there are a few open stages, but a lot of the stages are in like a cave system or the auto-scroller. There's no real reason to thrust yourself forward because you can only go as fast as the screen goes anyway. I, all the motion controls in this game were uh, off-putting for me. What did you think, Yeah, I hadn't Aaron? gotten to the control part yet, but I'll go ahead and address this since you brought it up. Uh, this game does have a, um, a knock against it, and, the, and well, a couple. And one of them is exactly what Brent mentioned, that sort of uh, uh, self-centered, I don't know what you would call it. The, the, whenever you stop, there's a little, like, uh, shimmy he does. And uh, that it happens every time. So it'll happen over and over now. First of all, you're probably not going to stop all that much, but it's still there, and it is weird. I didn't find it that well, weird. Well, I mean, you have... There's a, I, I disagree. I found myself stopping a lot to uh, shoot enemies. Well, I mean, when I mean, you, you do... Fly up. Every time you stop, it's there. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, then you've also got... I, I agree with you on the dash button. The dash button I didn't find all that useful because this game is so cluttered with stuff that it, it, it dashing around can get you hurt instantly. So it's not something I use a lot. Now, there, I'm sure there are instances where you need to use it, but I didn't use it all that much. Um, so uh, the uh, there's also the issue of the of the hummingbird turning around. It's a beautiful animation uh, when he does, when he, he just kind of spins around. It's cool looking, but it's that was a design choice. You can change it. You can sort of change the way that it works in the, in the option menu. You can also another thing I appreciate is like you can change where the button layout is. So they gave you the options to do it. I got used to it. I mean, the funny thing about this game is these wide open levels. There's so much going on that you just sort of. It's almost you're like oh, I was always perpetually in panic mode, uh, trying to get around, and that's that's why I want to talk about some of the game's uh, you know less good qualities. Uh, for starters, uh, the uh, the weird turning controls are a part of it. The odd resetting is a part of it. But the, one of the bigger problems is the respawning enemies. This game is chock full of enemies, and you and you can't get rid of them. They just keep coming back. Uh, and it's that that it makes it difficult. It's real tough to to deal with that. Uh, the the hump the uh, HUD gimmick. I like that. It's a cute idea, but I, I would have liked to have seen how many hit points I had left. That makes it uh, that makes uh, split second decisions on doing something dangerous. If you don't know how many hit points you've got, it makes it difficult to to you hesitate before you do things. This is a game where you hurry up all over the place, but you're scared to do anything. I guess that yeah. sort of simulates being a hummingbird, but it, <laughs> I don't want it simulated that much. 
Uh, Brent mentioned not having, uh, or not uh, p picking up power-ups you don't want. That happens all the time. This is in, in the true European style. There are power-ups and pickups out to beat the band in this game, and they overdid that. That They overplayed yeah. their hand on that. There's just too many of those. Once you've got a weapon you want, I'm like Brent. I either want to switch to it, or I just want that to be my weapon. I don't want to pick. Now that could be a built-in like additional d difficulty in the game, but it's a difficulty I don't want. Um, this game, some of the levels this are pretty large, and there are no checkpoints for most levels. Some levels do. They have a thing called like I think it's called a touchstone. Now when you touch it, you that you're when you die, you'll come back to that level. For for the most part. When you're doing a whole level, if you die, you're basically starting that level over. And that can be a real... Uh, it, it feels like you're toiling continuously and not getting anywhere. I want to talk about the music a little bit, Brent. I found some of the music in this good, and I found some of the music not that good. Uh, what were your thoughts on the music? It, it, it all right. Yeah, it was, I mean, it gets the job done. Yeah. It's no echo. No, it, it, but and, it was okay. And really, that's, that, that's my... <laughs> That's unfortunately my entire review of the game is it's not echo, yeah. uh, uh, because okay. you can tell they were trying to trying to recapture that magic. Uh, but playing as a dolphin is fun, and you can jump out of the water and do flips, and that's fun. And, and playing as a hummingbird, not as much fun. I think. Well, I'll get to my final thoughts, and I'll, I'll comment on that. Uh, there are t there are places in the game. No matter how many hit points you've got, you instantly die. If you're eaten by a frog yeah. or a chameleon or big drops of water, believe it or not, big yeah. huge blobs of water can kill you. And so those are a real bummer uh, as well when you when you can't do this. And I, this game has something I would call, and it's not from Psygnosis, but this game in some ways reminds me of a Psygnosis game on the Amiga. A beautiful, brilliant, you know, well well thought out game that's just too freaking hard. I found this game very difficult, Brent, and it, it's got a rep. For being a real tough game. Now, again, those are the things I didn't like. But for the most part, I like the unique story. I like the manual. I like the idea of playing a hummingbird. By the way, the box on this says it's only for one player. The box is wrong. For whatever reason, yeah. this has two-player simultaneous play, uh, which I didn't get to try, but I like that idea. That's cool, man. Two players. Good deal. Now, how that would work when you zip around like you do uh, remains to be seen. But it, it's still, it's odd that they would only put that it's a one-player game on the box. But that was kind of goofy. But it is two players. Uh, it, some people might like the fact that there's no HUD. I don't have a problem with the HUD that much. But still, I, I appreciate what they were trying to do. <clears throat> so, overall, Brent, what's your final thoughts on this thing? We'll move on. Uh, I, I think this is something uh, you can... If you have the ability to emulate or play this, uh, I would give it a give it a look. But I think the real joy of this is watching someone else play it. Yeah, I agree. Because with you. that way, if you watch someone that's really good at this game, yeah, and you don't have to worry about the fiddly controls or picking up power ups you don't want, and you can just kind of sit back and enjoy the the beautiful graphics and the uh, very uh, decent sound and decent music. Uh, I, I honestly, I think that's the way to play this game is to watch someone else. Yeah, I will, uh, one thing I should mention on the cons: you fire in this game so much that it sort of hides some of the music. I kind of wish they'd uh, they turned down yeah. the effects on the shots. Hey, yeah, it's very. Yeah, there's our. I loud. think as far as 32x games go, if you're going to feature a 32x game to show off what that system could have done, this game is as good as any of the games released for it. 
except for some of the 3D games that would that really shows you what you could have accomplished with that uh, piece of hardware. I think it's I think this game is a beautiful, slightly flawed game, but I think uh, there's plenty here to enjoy if you could get accustomed to the controls and the game sort of quirks. But I think there's a lot here. To, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not is it one I'm going to play every day? No. Um, nah. I looked up some reviews on this bad boy. Uh, player one gave it an 88. A random access gave it an 84. Mega Fun gave it a 75. Uh, EGM gave it a 70. Uh, the uh, uh, Sega16.com gave it a 70. CVD, CVG gave it a 70. You see a trend here. Game Player 63 and the Digital Press folks gave it a 60. So this game was somewhere in that C or D range. I would. Not, I think that's fair. I would not call no, this I think a D. No, no, no. See, no, that's not the way you look at a ten point scale, and that's why the ten point scale is flawed because so many reviewers don't use all the numbers. You know, a seven it should be an above average game. That's. I mean, that's what it. Seven out of ten is an above average score. Listen, I call. I, I look at this on the kid scale. A report card style. If you're getting 60s, you're barely passing. That's the way I look at it. Um, <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> we did get some Discord, uh, some hot Discord action on this, although not as much Discord action as, as the other game got. But I'll go. I'm going to go through some of these. Uh, so let's start with. Uh, uh, let me get all the way up here. Holy crap! We got a lot. We did get a lot of reviews here. So brace yourselves as I run through these. Um, David Z writes. Uh, my first thought, what's going on here? The first bit of the game forced me to pull out some docks. I had to go find a flower and eat it before I could play. Once I finally got into the game, I wasn't sure what was going on. I couldn't find a health point meter or or point meter in general. Maybe I was playing the wrong game. Also, birds do not bounce when they hit anything. They kind of crash and burn. Not so, uh, not so the birds in the game. They just kind of bounce off things. At some point, you die. Graphics are pretty good. You can identify most bugs or flying things. There is like four or so layer background that's really good. I did not play it for an hour or two. Oh, I did only play it for an hour or two, but I don't know if I'd go back. Sorry, but this is a thumbs down from Dave. So there you go. Um, Jason warns. He writes, Calibre, what the... I'll be honest, this game took a bit of time for me to warm up to, but once I did, I found it moderately enjoyable. The graphics were pretty, <laughs> and the sound pleasant and immersive. My gripe is the game felt like it wasn't sure what it was trying to be. Is it a shooter, a puzzler, an adventure? Yes, to all three. It took time. I took time to learn the weapons until I understood how they worked, but, kept, but found keeping any particular weapon was a pain in the butt. The game's yeah. goals weren't super clear, which likely is the result of a puzzler aspect. Though I felt the infinite retries was a fair way to discover uh, each level solution, overall Calibre is an interesting game, but one I'm unlikely to come back to. 7 out of 10. Mitsuyama chimes in. I've never played this game before, and I had to admit that when I first started the game, I didn't have a clue what was going on or what the objective was. You see a trend here, Brent? However, after reading the manual, I got, I got into it and began to enjoy it. The graphics are gorgeous. They remind me of a watercolor painting. And this is enhanced by having a GUI, having a GUI with the scores and lives, etc. By not having that, excuse me. While there are a couple of fast tracks, the music is mostly mellow and fits the mood of the game. I like that there is some variety in the design and the objectives of the levels, allowing the player to keep 
Replaying a level when you die rather than having three lives and then a game over is a great design choice. This is not a game I would have considered playing, but I'm glad I did. 8 out of 10. Mitsuyama enjoyed it. So, I think everyone sort of agreed. Wacky uh, is the way you would, would, would phrase this one. Uh, that's Calibre. But, oh, one last item of business here. Let's talk about this eBay. This game is uh, uh, interesting. The PAL version of this thing is very, very rare. Okay? I saw PAL versions uh, that was completed in box that sold for $353. I saw a sealed copy of this sell for $421. The loose, the loose carts routinely go for over $100. US Alright, so this is a big money game. If you've got a copy of Calibri sitting around, uh, cash that sucker in. It's, it's, it's time to go to the pay window, Brent, if you will. So that was my look at Calibre, an interesting game uh, that I that I enjoyed to a certain degree. So with all that said, Brent, <laughs> well, hey, I call like I see him. I, I liked it, but it, it wasn't the most fun I've had. Now, Brent, you went in a whole different direction here. Tell the good people what you've got on the docket. I went for, for a, a childhood uh, uh, classic, <clears throat> and I pulled out DuckTales for the NES. Now, Aaron... Uh, before we get into the game, did I, you were probably too old to really enjoy DuckTales the cartoon. Is that correct? That is correct. I did not like the cartoon DuckTales, but I am familiar and with it. Were you? Did you ever read the DuckTales comic book? Oh, God, no. I was okay. reading, like, men's comics, not kids' comics. Well, uh, DuckTales, uh, uh, very well-respected comic book, and, of course, they're... Uh, Weekly cartoon, highly praised. Uh, it, it's nice when you have a a main character whose sole purpose is to be a greedy jerk. I mean, Scrooge McDuck, his whole thing is he wants money, and, and that's what they did in the game. He wants money, and he's trying to become the richest duck in the world. And, and he does this by collect going around to different areas and looking for their treasures. Uh, you've got the African mines where you want to find a, a giant diamond, uh, the Amazon, so you can basically rob this, rob the Amazons of their heritage by stealing the scepter of the Incan king, the Himalayas, where you go after the lost crown of Genghis Khan, now that, that one blows my mind, uh, Transylvania, where you are looking for the coin of the lost realm, and, uh, of course, the moon, where you get the green cheese of longevity. So, those are the treasures that you are, are trying to find to become, to cement your richest duck in the world uh, status. And, of course, along the way, you, you pick up different diamonds and, and jewels to add to your overall point total, which, of, of course, is shown in money, dollars. Uh, the game is a side-scrolling platformer, and this is a Capcom-developed game. And this was actually Capcom's first realm into licensed gaming. So they didn't they didn't put their B tier on it. They took the people who worked on the Mega Man series and said, "Listen, make us a game. Make us a game that is all Ducktales." And that's what they did. And it is a true Nintendo classic. Uh, you play as Scrooge McDuck, 
but you do have the support of pretty much everyone that was in the show. Uh, you, you, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, of course, Scrooge's nephews, will offer hints. Uh, sometimes they'll help you get through uh, uh, closed-off areas. You've got uh, Gizmo Duck is the robot character, and he will uh, blow down a wall once you get his remote control. Tons of side characters throughout the entire thing. Of course, Launch Launchpad McQuack uh, ferries you to and from these different locations. He is he's Scrooge's uh, personal pilot. The gameplay is, like I said, a platformer where your main attack is a cane that you can use like a pogo stick. And you do that by jumping on enemies and hitting a button to activate it and allows you to bounce across the stage. But you don't have to just use it to jump on enemies. You can actually just pogo across everything. You can pogo across spikes. You can pogo across uh, any uh, almost any surface in the entire game, and it doesn't take damage. You could also use your cane. You flip it upside down, and you can use it as a golf club. And this is to solve a few puzzles or to hit enemies that are flying above you. You will walk up to a brick or a block or something like that and smack it, and it will fly at a 45-degree angle. Uh, it's very fun. Bouncing across the levels, uh, using it, the cane to, to, to smack things, it's all very uh, – feels good. It's very uh, engaging. And the stages, as I said before, you pick what stage you want to go to, uh, and you go to all these interesting locations, uh, African mines, the Amazons of the jungle, of course, the Himalayans, the moon, it, it, you know, it has the craters, and there's aliens up there. Transylvania's got the scary side of it, where you're, you know, you're battling monsters and whatnot. So every level has this unique and fun feel to it. And since you can go to any level you want at any time, you never feel constricted. You always feel like you have options. Now, there are points in the game where you actually have to go to one location and get something and then take it back to another location to unlock and progress farther in the world. There's also hidden treasures in the game. So <clears throat> you're never uh, uh, truly done with the game until you get all of it. You know, you find all the hidden treasures, find all the little nooks and crannies. And Aaron, if you did not know, this game has three endings. Uh, you've got your normal ending where you just beat the game. Uh, then you have an alternate ending where you collect all the, the uh, hidden treasures and you get above, I believe it is $1 million. Uh, and then there's also a super secret ending is if you beat the game, and you have to do it in, in such a way, I'm not even sure, I haven't went through all the walkthroughs, but you could end the game with a zero money, and it actually has an ending for that. A very hidden ending. It's very, it talks about, you know, Scrooge found all the all these treasures, but he lost all his money along the way. Uh, we're sure that he'll rebuild. Uh, when you played this, Aaron, was this your first time playing it, or have you played this one before? This is one of those... NES games where I had I'd heard about it because a lot of people talk about it. I had given it a whirl, but I hadn't played it for any length of time because these sorts of games. When you said these are the same guys that did Mega Man, that 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 makes a lot of sense. It is 
there are there, it's very Mega Man like in a lot of ways the way the levels are set the way the guy moves. Uh, so yeah. I didn't know that, uh, but uh, this is not a game that I would normally play. Uh, by the way, Scrooge McDuck was around way before I, uh, I was a kid. He's been around forever. Oh, in the absolutely. old classes. So I know I was aware. I always liked Scrooge McDuck in his old appearances in the Disney cartoons. And I will say, DuckTales this is the cartoon that I'll watch, but it did have the catchy theme. It used to come on. I used to hear the theme come on all the time because I used to watch it. Everyone I know loves this cartoon. That all, all the younger folks, I, it's not one that I particularly enjoy. But I didn't like the Disney cartoons of that era. I'm a, listen. I like Gargoyles. You know, I wish they'd put that much love into the Gargoyles games that they did in this. Uh, so anyway, this was the first time I played this for any length of time. Uh, I did not have a lot of success. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, the one thing I liked, really? well, the one thing I liked about this game is that you could pick where you wanted to start. So I got to see the different areas, you know. Uh, but uh, I mean, I did okay. It's just, I mean, ultimately, I couldn't get past any, any of the levels. Basically, I just kind of you're I, I, really. I, just, I didn't, I didn't wow. mesh well with this sort of game. These NES games, they all have sort of this feeling that I'm, just, I'm not great at. I just, I'm just not good at them. I actually played this. I, I pulled out my NES and fired this up. I actually had this on my multi-cart. And so I actually played this on the actual original hardware just to kind of, so I could get into it and play with the original stick and stuff. The original Nintendo stick, not my favorite. I mean, it's the opposite of ergonomic. It, it hurts your hands, something fierce, if you play with them for a while. Your hands are too big for it. Well, it may be, it may be the case. It's not like I have huge hands, but it's, it's, I don't like it. They did a lot. When they rounded those edges off on the Super Nintendo, that was a, that was a good move. Because that's what kind of hosed me on that thing. Uh, listen, all the elements are there. The cartoon characters are there. You know, uh, um... This isn't a game that was made for me, so you're not. Don't expect me to say, "Oh yeah, it's the best." It's uh, it's not something I, I like. I'm not gonna lie. You, what you said, you did say something I agree with. The elements of this game are fun. Pogo sticking around and breaking stuff is fun. Using the thing like a golf club or whacking a guy with it or hitting stuff—that's fun too. Uh, so those elements are there, and I enjoyed that part. Uh, I like the enemies for the most part. A lot of times you can't. Some of the enemies you just can't get rid of. So that's that. You know. But I mean, for the most part, uh, you was you could just hop on most of the enemies. I knew. I saw that boat beat this this week, and, I, and this is right up his alley. This is sort yeah. of that Mega Man or Adam's Family type of game where you wander around. There's all kinds of secret passages and crap. None of which I found until I watched some guy play it for a while. I didn't realize how much <laughs> stuff I'd missed. They really packed a lot of crap in here. Uh, and so I appreciate that. I, I like the the music was good. I mean, I thought oh, they we'll did, get to the music. <laughs> I thought they did. A, I thought it was a pretty solid effort. Uh, uh, just uh, from my opening stance on, I thought it was. A, it seemed like a pretty decent little game. Now, well, this game is very well remembered, uh, and at the time it was highly reviewed uh, between seventies uh, and nineties across the board through all your publications. There's an aspect of this game that has transcended past video games and, and and really made a name all for itself. And, of course, that is the theme to the moon level. Uh, one, of the, one of the highlights of sound, uh, certainly during the NES era, but something that uh, anyone can listen to today and, and, and really respect... And understand that this was a classic 
piece of music. The fact that the nest could even emit the sound, the music that is on this level, to the quality that it had uh, is extraordinary. It was just top-notch. And so much so that if you look around, you can find that uh, orchestras uh, will play this when they're playing different video game music. Uh, It's been written for a big band. Uh, It even has parodies. Uh, It's it's so well-known and well-loved that people have done put parody lyrics to the song and all of it is just incredible to take from a game that's a licensed game which you as you and i both know Aaron, a lot of time when you get a licensed game they just slap some characters on it because you you know that you're going to sell it not for the game but for uh who the game's about and that happened has happened so much in video games throughout history uh and then you peel back the layers of this game and you see that the love and attention that has went into the game and then that actually goes further into the love and appreciation that they put into the music for this game it it really is something special the had, had you had heard the moon theme Aaron to this did oh, you yeah. know it was when, I, from when this I started game? looking up videos on this that that <laughs> came up a lot you know, yeah. so yeah, I knew. In fact, all, the whole soundtrack comes up a lot with that one. I did see a lot of praise for that. I mean, it's great, of course. The NES is one of those systems where the disparity between the good music on it and the bad music is a chasm. Uh, it's a, yeah, uh, there, it, it really it, is. Really, it's one of those what crazy uh, machines that just has... Uh, some people can make it happen and some people couldn't. You know, and this, of course... Listen again, Capcom. They they. It's not like they just fell off the turnip truck. Yeah. The music on Mega Man's good. A lot of the music on Capcom games is real good. Obviously, Street Fighter stuff. So, uh, I'm not terribly surprised. Listen, I'm not going to sit here. I don't know if people expect me to come in here and kill this game because it's a it's a Ducktales game. It's a it's a quality game. Uh, if, Absolutely. If, if this is your cup of tea, especially. For this era of the NES, I mean, it's just is right in the wheelhouse of your. We played a even. I didn't play a ton of NES, but me and you played enough. I know what quality platforming is and what unquality. But this is a, this is a, one of the better ones that I've tried. So there, there's no doubt, and you would expect that sort of effort from Capcom. You don't give a Disney license away and just expect someone to ham and egg it. So they well, they put a lot of effort into it, and even like the enemies look good. The even the backgrounds look good. The textures. Yes. A lot of those NES games had a, almost like had a CGA quality to them. They had a uh, like a, 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 they could get lazy, and I thought they did a pretty good job. And I mean, there's a lot of rep- repetitive stuff in here. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it's all the, the they did a lot of time drawing these guys out, and uh, they're, so they've all got a good look to them. I'm sure if you're into the show, this is a huge deal. I, like I said, me not being a, a fan of the show, I'll dock at some points because I'm, I'm not a fan of the show. But I'm not. It's not the game's fault. Uh, and the game, uh, the game does a good job. You know, like I said, I, I like the boss battles in it. I like the fact that uh, they made Scrooge McDuck the hero because that they could have not. I think they've made other Duck games where he wasn't the hero. But I like the idea of Scrooge going out here. I like the plot, the fact that Scrooge wants more money, so he's just going out to grab this. Yeah. That's 
That that's exactly in line with the character, you know, because he is yeah, a greedy absolutely. bum. So yeah, it's also the fact that his all the Huey, Dewey, and Louie and all the other goofs are in this. Even I know who they are from the old cartoons. And right out of the gate, you're rescuing one, and they're giving you hints about at least the, the first level I played was the Transylvania one, and they're like, he's like, yeah, there's a secret wall, so that there's a mystery to it. It gives that sense of adventure that I like to have in these older games that makes it feel like it's bigger than it is. So uh, that's something I always dig. So yeah, I I have, I have to begrudgingly give this game its it, it, it's it's due. Now this is something else, Aaron. Now obviously, uh, this game did more handholding than uh, your game did. Yeah. But to be completely honest, there are aspects of this game where they might say, "Yeah, you you need to go get this." But it doesn't tell you where it's at. You get to the level, and you could be lost for a long time. Uh, considering this was a game yeah. that was obviously targeted to a younger audience <clears throat> due to its subject matter, uh, they did not hold kids' hands. They, You have to go and do the things yourself. There's no... Uh, Oh, we're gonna okay. You've you've been here for long enough. We're just gonna let you move on. No, this game was is very difficult uh, for the target audience that it's putting it up against. And I mean, you said you had incredible problems with it too. Uh, but from the graphics to the music to the Easter eggs uh, and everything in between, this is one of, in my opinion, probably top twenty-five NES games of all time. Uh, it's just really the total package. And to, to have a game like this and it be licensed after something uh, where they couldn't make their own characters, they were they were kind of bound to the world. Now, there are some unique enemies, uh, and the variety of enemies is off the charts, absolutely off the charts. All the worlds have their own unique enemies. So that's something else to, to consider. But this game, I would easily put it in my top 25 games of all time. It's funny that this week we did two games that have basically E for everyone ratings, which is not something we always do. And they're, I mean, in some ways, these are kids' games, but they're kids. Like, I can certainly see an NES kid playing this game. But I, if if I was to set say Luke in front of this, my my son, he it probably it's a different type of game than what kids play now, and it's yeah, a much more agreed. much more difficult uh, game. Uh, that's for sure. Did you did you find anything on eBay on this one? Uh, you can get. First of all, this game sells on eBay all the time. Oh, also, if you have not played this game, why the heck not? Easily something you should buy right now if you have a NES. If you have to emulate it, emulate it. Uh, there is a remastered version that came out for PC, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Wii U, uh, and then they also put it on a phone. The phones for some reason, it not the same. It, it it's a remaster, so it is the same game. It's got a few extra stages, but for me, I guess probably because I grew up with Ducktales on the NES, uh, I prefer to play it in NES form. Uh, but this sells on eBay. For between uh, fifteen and forty dollars all day long, uh, if you're looking for like the box and the manual, that then you're in a completely different price structure. Price structure, but just to get the cart, it's a, it's a very obtainable cart. Very good. We got a we got a boatload of reviews on this. Brand. Yeah. And I'm going to start right. Uh, Rushi submitted uh, more of a comment than a, a review, but I'm going to start with him. 
DuckTales is great until you get to the moon and find yourself unable to progress because you don't want to do anything that could make the music end. But then eventually you beat the level and feel sad until you load up a playlist of remixes on YouTube. The HD remake of DuckTales kind of sucked. The Game Boy port was pretty good. So there you go. That's the Rushi's yes. take. Hot take. The boat chimed in immediately. And a boat also, as I mentioned, he beat this game this week. DuckTales does almost everything right. The ability of the player to choose a difficulty level and the order you attack the stages combined with the concept of amassing a fortune that gets deposited in your account rather than only beating a boss shows that Capcom was several light years ahead of the pack, especially for a game released in 1989. Each level boasts a wide variety of enemies based on characters from the cartoon series, and the soundtrack is one of the best on the NES it's not a perfect yeah. game, though. Scrooge's jumping cane is sometimes difficult to trigger consistently, and the game suffers from a needless level timer. In a game that encourages... Ex- That's true, but, it, you know, I, I it it was of so little factor to me that I actually forgot it was there. Yeah. But, yeah, it is stupid for this game to have a timer. In a game that encourages exploration, especially on a level like Transylvania, having a timer is stupid. Still, though, one of the top five platformers on the NES. Uh, so, uh, high pr- high praise indeed. Uh, Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, chimes in. A uh, Herm Firm, 7 out of 10, Brent. A cute platformer. Reminded me of a cross between Wonder Boy and Alex Kidd for me. Quirky music and enjoyable levels to keep you hooked and playing for more. The controls are a little iffy, though. Having to press the down button simultaneously with the pogo button just after hitting the jump. I found myself forgetting to press the down button and getting flummoxed at times. Was there really a need for that particular control scheme? However, overall, still enjoyable and colorful game being offered a choice of difficulty at the start. So, yeah, I, I will say, I will echo that, that. Sometimes I would miss on the pogo. It, it, that'll happen. Um, let me see here. We've got... Um, okay, Jason Warrens chimes in. I never had an NES growing up. Too rich for my family, so I don't have a lot of exposure to the NES library. Being a sucker for platformers, this one had me hooked with its great graphics, sound, and approachability. I found myself consistently getting better after and excuse me, I found myself consistently getting better after each just one more try. And before I knew it, hours had gone by. A sign of a great game to me. Nine out of ten from Jason Warrens. Yes. Chris Folds chimes in. Woohoo! I'm sure that's woohoo! Exactly. This is a game I had not played until two years ago. No one had an NES in the UK. This is a top-shelf platformer with lovely graphics and sounds, and I had a blast playing it on the on the Mister this week. Eight and a half out of ten. The Mister for the win, Brent. Another person that's got a Mister. Mitsuyama chimes in. This game shows off the NES at its best. The graphics are detailed and colorful and are a good representation of the TV show. The music is excellent throughout the game, with each level having a unique track. I like that the levels can be played in any order, and there seems to be multiple paths and secrets in each level. The game does have a couple minor niggles that I had trouble with, such as it took me a couple of goes to get used to the stick bounce attack, and I found that landing close to the edge of a platform would cancel the bounce. Overall, it's a great game. Eight and a half out of ten for Mitsuyama. Jack freaking Flack chimes in. 
I don't have a nostalgic connection with this game or even the DuckTales franchise, so my review is limited to the game's mechanics, which are quite good. Scrooge McDuck and all the characters are well animated, and Capcom did a good job of building multiple actions into the controller's two buttons. This is the perfect example of a right developer applying the right IP to the right game. Great example of an 8-bit platformer, 8 out of 10. Zebedee's Magical Roundabout finishes us off here. Duck, Duck, uh, DuckTales comes second to the Super Mario Brothers series. I loved it. Great game. So there you go. That's, that is a, yes. a, a quite a, quite praise, high praise, if you will, for, uh, for this game. I think we had a couple of unique games this week, and, uh, they both featured birds in a positive light, Brent. So, well, I mean, except, you know, Scrooge is a big greedy jerk. Hey, listen, I don't have a problem with a sucker trying to get rich. That's what, that's. That's what it's all about, my friend. By stealing the culture of others. Hey, listen. He's just borrowing the culture to sell it back to that culture. That's <laughs> the way you do it. In the 80s and 90s, that was all cool, man. As long as you get the money. Hey, greed is good. That's the, that was the that's the motto. I, I'm going to be greedy here. I'm hoping for some sweet, sweet action on the wheel. Let's do it. Nope. All right. Here we go, Brent. We've added a couple winners this week, if you'll allow me. Uh, we've got uh, the Apple II making a return appearance on the Retro Rewind. And the new the new piece this week from Jason Warren's Stealth Games, Brent. Stealth Games, my friend. Do you have a, you have a preference this week? Nothing? Uh, I could go for some Stealth Games. All right, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Ugh! There it is. And the winner is... Uh, oh, what the heck is this? Brent, it's the, it's the Gamate slash Super Child Prodigy. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I gotta, take, I gotta take this piece up so I know how to pronounce this. Let's set that down right there. Brent, we have chosen, the wheel has chosen, this is a Brent special, everyone. The Gamate slash Super Child Prodigy. <laughs> Tell me about this particular I system, Brent. I guarantee that was not one of my pieces. You, that was a fan suggestion. You've screwed us again, haven't you, Brent? You've screwed <laughs> us again. Fine. Next week, selections from the Super Child Prodigy, which is what I was known as, I might add. You were known simply as Gamate. That was your <laughs> moniker. <laughs> Do you have any parting thoughts for the, for the uh, assembled masses here? We had a good turnout today. Uh, remember to get those slogans in. You can post them on YouTube, Twitter, or uh, send us an email. We're going to pick two of our favorites, and you're going to get added to the prize wheel. Oh, prize. It's almost prize wheel time, Aaron. Almost yes, prize wheel Yes, I know you're time. excited. You love it. You get the, you're going to make the big spin on that one. It's going to be great. Hey, we want to thank everyone for turning up. Uh, as Brent said, all you got to do is send us a motto. should be awesome. Or, 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 is this motto guaranteed to filter its way into the show at some point? Is that the plan? No. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not going to make a banner, flags, posters with this, T-shirts with the sprays, lumbered across it. Listen, anything goes. I can see Terry's being burger time. You need to play it more. Yeah, good point. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. So, yeah, send in those mottos, and we'll have a look at them. The time draws near. Enter now. Enter now. All right. We're out the door, Brent. Please, please be kind to your birds. It's wintry out there. Take some feed out there. Throw it around. Get your hummingbird feeder out and uh, take care of business. And until then, we're flying south. Adios.
Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Graham, W. Fetke, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Slow Norris, Frodo NL, Steve Rathmason, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroalogy, Hermsky, Roushi, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay, too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.